Welcome to Geared Up, brought to you by National Car Rental. I'm Todd Bishop. I'm Andrew Edwards. Hey, Andrew, what do you want to talk about on this week's show? We got a lot to talk about today, Todd. First of all, the biggest product of the year probably is about to drop on Friday, and the reviews are out for the new iPhone XS. That is a big one. We talked a lot about it last week, but now we have more details, more hands-on insights from yep. people who've been using it. And Andrew also has some new observations after you've been able to mull it over a yeah. little bit. Yeah, more just did a little more thinking about what Apple announced last week and I have some further thoughts. Um, because it's hard to go when like, you watch the keynote and then you go into a show and it's like you're all hyped off of what just happened. And I've been able to take some time to digest. All right, so we're going to get to that. Plus... An Alexa microwave. Are you are you ready for it? <laughs> I'm so ready. I'm so and you know I'm not even I'm not even the biggest Alexa fan. But you put Alexa into my kitchen appliances and I'm excited. <laughs> really? <laughs> yes. I'm scared. So we'll talk about that. Plus, hands on with the new Nintendo Labo, the the third series, which is just out, and I actually drove up to my Best Buy over the weekend in Linwood, in your part oh, of yeah. the country. I was going to yeah. actually ask you if you could stop by and you pick it up have. for me. At any rate, I did the uh, online purchase pickup, and that was the only place it was available. And we have it right here. We're going to talk about the whole Labo phenomenon and what it means for the Switch, plus the new launch of the Switch online service, how that is going to change just the way. Live today. That's right. People, people play their Switch consoles. So with that Let's jump into it here on Geared Up. All right. Andrew. What's the, the first story? The iPhone 10. iPhone 10. The iPhone S. 10S and the 10S Max. And the 10R. Okay. I'm still struggling <laughs> with the names. It's so complicated. It's well, the Microsoft plague here. Wait, what's the Microsoft the, plague? You, you come up with a name and then you have to extend it and you have to add letters and, you know, Windows XP, SP2, you know. Vista. I mean, Vista, yes. <laughs> Vista, I don't think that wasn't good enough to get to an SP2, a service <laughs> pack to. At any rate, more on point, Andrew. What are your thoughts after thinking about this for a week yeah. about what we saw last week from Apple? You know, I think the number one thing that occurred to me um, was, you know, I kind of look at the phones or was looking at the phones as you have the budget phone and then you have the good phones. You have the budget phone, which is the 10R, and then you have the good phones, the premium phones, if you will, in the 10S and the 10S Max. But as I got to start reading through the specs and as I got to start kind of digesting everything Apple announced feature-wise for these different phones, it became very apparent to me that the iPhone XR is very appropriately named. In what way? Do you have any ideas about what the R might stand for? That, that's a really good question. I, You know what? I had not even thought about it. What does the R stand for? The R, we, we all thought it was going to be the cheap phone. It's definitely not the cheap phone. It's It's $750 to start, which is not what I would consider to be cheap or what I consider to be a, a a mass market price. Although I don't know that most people buy their phones outright. I think most people do the payment plans where they're paying 30 bucks a month over two years, at least in the United States. Um, but the iPhone XR, when you look at it feature for feature, is almost a 10s. In the alphabet, the R <laughs> is right before. It's as close as you can get to S without surpassing it. Do you think that's what they did? I think that's exactly what they did. It's almost an S. So it stands for nothing other than it's one I think level. that's all it is. It's one, just one letter earlier. One tiny increment below the S. Right, right. So 
feature-wise, there are more similarities than there are differences. The display is nowhere near as good as what you're going to find on a 10s. Um, the camera is missing the second camera, but it's the exact same main wide telephoto camera. Every every feature of the camera itself is in there. Every feature of the front camera is this. It, it matches almost feature for feature, with the exception of size, with the exception of display type and display quality. And it's also the iPhone with the longest lasting battery ever released. Mm. It has a better battery than the iPhone XS Max, mm. which is crazy because it's smaller. So that's just my like my main thoughts. I think the iPhone XR is going to be the one that sells most. And before before the event last week, I was thinking the XR would be more of like the side phone that not many people buy. But Again, feature for feature and dollar for dollar, unless you're someone who's really into tech and you really care about things like the display, which I know a lot of people who don't like my wife. Take my wife. She doesn't care about the display. As long as she has a phone that works, she doesn't care about the display. Me, I don't want the display on the 10R. I want the display on a 10S or a Note 9 or something like that. But a lot of people don't care. So I think that's going to be the phone that most people gravitate towards. And I think the 10S, not the Max, but the actual 10S, that's going to be the one that struggles in 2019 because you're either going to want the phone that has almost all the features that cost $250 less or you're going to want the big version of the 10s and I think the te- just the regular 10s is not going to uh that's not going to be the big seller this year. So let me make sure I understand this. Really the only difference between the 10R which is which is starting in the $7800 range, 750 and the 10s which is starts at 999 is essentially the camera and the display. The and display the display. Type. Yeah. Yeah. And it's LCD versus OLED. It seems like in the past they would have made a much bigger effort to differentiate between right. the two. That's what I expected. I yeah. expected the 10R to be both cheaper and suckier. <laughs> right. Because why would you make a phone that's so similar yeah. in so many ways to your flagship? And that's where I go back to the R and the S thing. It's like it's, it's almost an S. It's not quite. But it's right there. It's as close as you can get to an S without surpassing the S. So the other thing that struck me from the reviews that have come out so far is the comments about the 10s Max, which has a 6.5-inch screen yes. diameter compared to less than 6 inches for the 10s. The same Correct. size as the current iPhone 10. Right, 5.8. 5.8. The reviews that I've read so far say that the 10s Max, even with that giant screen, for typing, it's actually pretty manageable. In other words, you can hold it with one hand and reach with, I guess, an average sized hand, right. all of the keys that you would normally want to reach. And frankly, that was my biggest struggle with the Plus devices, the, yeah, yeah. the 7 Plus, the, the 8 Plus. I would sit there and it was so unwieldy because the form factor, the hardware was so big because of the bezels. I know we talk a lot about this. But it seems to me that this is the fundamental change that we're seeing in the smartphone landscape, the elimination of the thick bezels to create more screen size and a smaller footprint, effectively, in your pocket. So that, to me, was one of the biggest takeaways. Six and a half inches, how does that compare to, like, the Galaxy Note? The Note is 6.4 inches. So So in other words, it's it's, it's negligibly different, but it's pretty much the same. Yeah, so that is a giant device. And here you have it, essentially, 
being pretty manageable because of the lack of the bezels now. So that to me was the biggest takeaway. It made me consider the 10s Max when I'm ready to upgrade in three years. <laughs> oh God, <laughs> interesting. No, it's, that that is a good point because you know as we've seen these screens get larger, the way that they've gotten larger is not by keeping the same um, dimensions. It's actually grown larger by getting taller. So, which means it's easy. You, you don't have to like struggle to put your hands around the width of it because it's just getting taller. So, it's actually a little bit thinner mm. than the iPhone, um, like an eight plus, and with no bezels, it just makes it easier to you know to type on. Similar, similar to you know the Galaxy S nine plus or the Galaxy Note nine, where you've got the not only is there no bezel, but it's kind of curves on the side, which makes it super easy for you know typing and and both phones also have a good one-handed mode i don't know if you know about this but in ios there's a button that you can enable to make the entire keyboard shift mm. to the left or right so that if you're trying to type with one hand you don't have to reach all the way across it just puts all the all the keys towards one side of the display so it's been one week since apple announced these new phones and we should point out the iphone 10r which is the one that starts at 749 that yeah. comes out that comes out in late October. So we're nowhere near that. And the reviews for the phones that just dropped are for the 10s and 10s Max. No one has a 10R yet. Those are not, the reviews have not dropped for that yet. Is there any risk in waiting for the 10R? In other words, could it have some kind of showstopper that makes you go at the time when it comes out? Oh my gosh, I should have just gone for the 10S at the time. It depends who you are. So that goes back to, like, if you, if you're someone like, if you're someone who watches this show, basically, if you're someone who follows me and you talk tech on like YouTube and Twitter, you're probably someone who wants a Samsung Galaxy like Note 9 or someone who wants a Samsung Galaxy S9 or an iPhone 10s. You're not probably someone who wants a cheaper phone or a phone that doesn't have all the specs. You know what I mean? You're, you're, if you're a hardcore techie, you want the best you can get. But if you're just the average person out there who has no clue, like if you're the average person who doesn't even know, you know what Apple announced last week, and you just want the new iPhone. What's the new iPhone that came out? I think you're going to gravitate towards the 10R due to its price and due to its almost feature for feature parity. The things that bug the techies, like the lower resolution display, those are not things that are going to bug the average person out there, and they're just going to want to pay the least to get the newest thing. And those devices, the 10S. And the 10SR. Yep. 10. A 10S. See, 10 I'm R. doing it. I'm doing it. When you're describing somebody who doesn't know what's going on, you're describing <laughs> me, Andrew. There you to, go. To uh, empathize with everybody out there. The, the, the 10S and the 10S Max, forgive yep. me. Those are coming out. This Friday. Yes. So that will be something that a lot of people will be watching to see how well those devices do. I think the other big takeaway for me from the reviews was the fact that if you currently have a 10. Yep. Most of the reviews seem to agree that there's no reason for you to upgrade. Yeah. I would think, you know, the people who have a 10 that are going to upgrade are, again, it's those, the the big, the people who want the latest and greatest all the time, the people who wait in line when something new is coming out. That's not the majority of the country. Um, so, again, if you're a hardcore techie, you're probably going to upgrade. But for most people out there, if you have a 10 already, um, the... What's new isn't really, you know, in my opinion, enough to to justify spending another at a minimum one thousand dollars, you know, on an annual basis. These things aren't jumping, yeah. adding enough features to, to justify spending a thousand dollars per year 
on on a new device. So unless there's something that you really want that's different, for example, there are vast camera improvements. And if that matters to you, you might want to upgrade. And there's also a new size. So if you bought the 10, but you're like, I really wanted a plus size. They didn't make one last year. Maybe that's why you upgrade this year. But other than that, um, I really, really wouldn't see what would be worth paying a minimum of $1,000 to upgrade from last year. Especially when you can get iOS 12 on your existing iPhone. Yeah, exactly. And, and get better battery life, better mm-hmm. performance, at least in our experience Faster. using yeah. the beta, the developer preview. It seems to me that I actually am getting a better device with iOS 12 yes, you than are. I've had for the past year. Yeah, and what's interesting too is even if you have an iPhone 5S, which came out a number of years ago, I think it was five years old at this point, iOS 12 runs on that, and it makes that phone 17% faster than the phone was last week. Mm. So Apple, it's interesting, though, because Apple is, you know, even on stage, they made the point to say they want these phones now to last multiple years, half a decade, where even if you go out and buy a new iPhone, they still want you to keep that old one in circulation. So maybe you hand it down to someone Mm -hmm. or you give it to a kid. Versus wanting everyone to just buy a new phone. They want, they want all their phones, you know, for the past several years to work just as good or, you know, in tip top shape each and every year, which is one thing that I think people miss about what Apple does because a lot of times people compare phones on spec. The specs here, the Galaxy S9 specs versus the iPhone 10 specs. Let's look at the spec sheet and see which is the better phone. But with a Galaxy phone, for example, you might get one, maybe two years of updates. Whereas with an iPhone, you're going to get five years of OS updates, security updates, feature updates. It's going to be kept up to date for a lot longer and something that you can pass on later. So it's interesting. The I think it's, it's kind of a different approach because I think in the past it's been we need everyone to buy the new phone and we want to see the new phone in everyone's hands. And now it's more we want to keep our phones running for as long as possible. All right, that is a second take a week later on the new iPhone XR, XS, and XS Max. Yeah. I'm going to nail it. You got it. it. I nailed it. You just nailed it. There you go. (laughs) We will be right back on Geared Up talking about, yes, the new Alexa microwave. And more. (laughs) That's coming up next. You're listening to Geared Up. Welcome back to Geared Up. I'm Andrew Edwards, and we are about to jump into the National Car Rental Story of the Week. This week, we're going to be talking about the Amazon Alexa device rumors. Hey, if you're not familiar with it, Andrew has another show called Technically Speaking. You can find it on the nationalcar.com control center or, or youtube.com slash nationalcarrent. This is a great show where you talk about gadgets, things that people can use on the road. That's right. So it's a show basically meant for people who are traveling, whether it's leisure travel or especially business travel. I give you all the tech and tips and gadgets that you should be taking with you when you're on the go. Hey, go national. Go like a pro. There you go. All right. Hey, this week's National Car Rental Story of the Week, Amazon Alexa. Yes. CNBC is reporting that Amazon will come out with eight new Alexa devices, some of them Alexa-enabled. Some of them just simply Alexa empowered, like Alexa built inside Okay. by the end of the year. And they include yes. a new Alexa microwave. Sign me up <laughs> immediately. So to quote uh, the story by Eugene Kim from CNBC, it will be a microwave oven, an yep. amplifier, a receiver, a subwoofer, an in-card gadget, people familiar with the matter said. 
Um, all of them will be Alexa enabled. Some of them will have Alexa built in. Okay. Now, I know the microwave is getting a lot of attention. I have to say, I like the fact that they're talking about an amp, a receiver, and a subwoofer because I've been struggling, just as an example, with my new Fire TV Cube. You've been struggling with it. It's supposed to be a simple device. It is a simple device. The issue that I've been running into, it works. It works fine, and I can connect it to my soundbar, my Vizio soundbar. It works fine through the TV. Mm -hmm. The Fire TV Cube does not work with multi-room audio. Oh, okay. Which is a challenge because here I have it hooked up to a really nice speaker. Yep. It would be awesome from the second floor to say, hey, that soundbar in the basement, I want that to be looped in with all the music on my other Echo devices in the house and have a giant, you know, you know, reverberating house with music like everybody else does, but I can't. And so to me, I'm looking at this and going, maybe if I replace, maybe, maybe they're headed in the direction of something that I could use as my soundbar that would be Alexa enabled itself that would work with mm -hmm. the TV. I just, I like this direction of the, the audio file. Okay. Here. What do you think though of the microwave? Cause that's what everybody wants to talk about. I think it's interesting. Like I just got, I'm almost sad. I just got a microwave like three days ago or something. A smart microwave from Samsung connects to your smartphone, lets you know when things are done. I like smart kitchen tech. I think kitchen is a good place for smart tech. Like send me a notification when the dishwasher's done or let me use my phone to say the dishes are loaded, but don't start it running until three in the morning. Um, I like being able to do something like preheat the oven on my way home to 350 so that by the time I get there, I can just put the food in, you know, things like that. So I are, like that. Are you a sous vide guy? You know what I'm yes, talking about there? You're, absolutely. You, you do sous vide? Absolutely. I so, love sous vide. Oh my gosh. You should review like the Jewel or another yeah, one of these. Yeah, those guys are local, aren't yeah, they? Yeah, they they're are. Down they're, here. they're right down there at the Pike Place Market. Mm -hmm. that, that would be a great gadget for you to talk about on Technically Speaking. Yeah. True uh, that. The, the National Car Rental Show that you do at nationalcar.com. <laughs> there it is. There it is. There's a plug. Um, but no, I, I think, you know, the thing with the thing that concerns me a little bit or has me hesitant is it seems to me that usually these Amazon Alexa devices are cheap. Like they're mm -hmm. cheap as in not inexpensive, although they are, but cheap as in not very well made. Hmm. You know what I mean? They're not very sturdy. Or if they are, they're like very plasticky. Like I, I envision like a the old school white plasticky microwave, not a modern stainless steel microwave. Not not quite Fisher Price, but also not quite Maytag <laughs> or a man. I'm talking about dish uh, laundry machines there, uh, but you know, not, not not quite along the lines of what you would expect from Sears, maybe. Yeah, yeah. So I'm just curious, like I, if I want, like first and foremost, I want a nice piece of hardware. And then go ahead and integrate Alexa into that. But don't give me the Echo Show, which looks like a boxy, old school security system. Yeah, security system. And then Google comes out with the, you know, the the Google version, the LG View or whatever that was. And it looks all nice and slick. Yeah. Like, I want good looking things in my house. I don't want like crappy looking things just because it happens to have Alexa built well, in. There goes my plan to move in. <laughs> So, yeah, I agree with you. To me, the bigger picture thing here is this happens with all technology companies that create a platform. Okay. And it's happened with Amazon on their e-commerce site. It's happened with Microsoft, Windows. It's happened with Apple. You create a platform for these third parties to come in and build on top of. So in this case, you've got other device makers using Alexa, yep. appliance makers, many others. And here you have Amazon starting to compete directly 
with its platform partners. Yes. It's almost the inevitable next step when you have a successful platform. And I think we're going to see it with this mic, with the microwave oven, with the amp, all these things, the in-car gadget. These are things that are either in development or they already exist. And Amazon's going to be directly competing with them. And I think there's a risk as with its e-commerce platform where you see it compete with people who are selling items on its site that these people are going to say, wait a second, I don't really want to be part of this ecosystem if the platform provider is going to basically come in and eat my lunch. But do people ever leave those ecosystems though? Like sometimes the ecosystems are so strong. Well, like are you going to, are you really going to leave the Alexa no. ecosystem, the number one smart assistant? I don't know. No, no. But, and that's a good point. It will make them hedge their bets. In other words, it will make it so they don't just develop for Alexa and Echo. They also do develop for the Google Assistant. Yes. And who knows? Maybe they'll even develop for Cortana. I mean, that, or HomeKit. Siri. Yeah, or HomeKit. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it makes you basically spread your bet across multiple platforms rather than double down on one. And of course, these tech companies are smart. They knew this was coming, mm -hmm. but here we have it. And we should point out if there is an event, yeah, we'll be there. If and when an event may or may not happen, we will definitely be there if it's happening if it happens yes which we are not saying right we're not saying it's happening but if it is happening we'll be there we'll be there and you can you if can it happens on perhaps on a future episode yeah of geared up near near a uh, very soon episode well we had to find very soon sometime in the future, in the future. <laughs> you can come here and watch us talk about our hands-on experience if it happens correct there you go correct all right so Amazon, that'll be interesting, and I, I really do think that you're seeing basically the, the next level of Alexa here in the smart home. I'm curious if people out there are actually using these types of devices. Do you use the Alexa-powered devices or Siri or Cortana, <laughs> Cortana or Google Assistant? Like, Do you use hardware outside of your phone that connects to these things let me know what, what do you mean? let us know in the comments what do you mean by that i mean like do you use you know smart home tech where you can like control your lights mm. or your locks or your blinds or your you know any of that stuff i'm curious how many people are actually doing that or if it's still a, like a super fringe case it's funny because i set up my parents when i went back there for thanksgiving last year to i, I set them up with the, the smart plugs that worked with their echo show which i also yep. set them up with and when i went back they had had something happen with their Wi-Fi and they'd gotten logged off and the, the switches weren't working. And and I started to try to fix it and I went, you know what? <laughs> They're never going to use this. Well, they, they did actually, they did use it. They used okay. it a lot. But it's just like, you know, there's a technology that's so much better than this. And and I think we just need to go back to the light switch. Oh, I thought I thought you were going to say the clapper. I thought you were going to no, get the, the, clapper. the clapper. My wife has a clapper that we used what? to use for the star, the like the the thing in my daughter's room. And and that the clapper is quite possibly the worst technology ever invented. And it's it's even worse in the clappers that have you, you can there's somewhere you clap twice and it does one thing and once there's some sort of combination of claps that you need to do and and it will switch i i forget exactly how it worked but it was like i would sit there and i would be like clapping for five minutes <laughs> shout like, out to the clapper for being the no, first smart home tech ever i guess invented i guess back I, in I, the 80s i hated that thing and and i made sure that it was like i got that star light hooked up to the alexa as soon as we started using smart plugs mm, there you go all right 
That is it for the National Car Rental Story of the Week. We are going to be right back on Geared Up with a hands-on with the latest from Nintendo. Yes. Coming up next on Geared Up. All right, welcome back to Geared Up. It's Todd Bishop. I'm Andrew Edwards. Hey, it is the third segment of our show, and we're going to go hands-on here with something that I think is really cool. I have not had a ton of experience with it yet. Okay. But this is the third in the series of the Nintendo Labo. Yes. So, Andrew, for people who don't know what the Labo is, mm-hmm. it looks like cardboard, but yeah. it's oh so much more. It is. So it's it's very interesting. As you know, we've talked about this before. Nintendo likes to do things differently rather than doing things the same as everyone else, right? And so what they're doing here is they're allowing you to take the Nintendo Switch and the Joy-Cons that it comes with and integrate them basically with these cardboard creations that they sell. So if you can imagine like buying a Lego set, obviously it's not as intricate, but you buy a Lego set and you follow the instructions and you build something and you have something you've built out of Lego. Labo is kind of similar. It uses these cardboard pieces and you build it, but instead of an instruction booklet on paper, you have the Nintendo Switch itself that walks you through the process of building it. And when you're done, you have device, or I'm going to call them devices. Contraptions. You have contraptions made of, of cardboard that work in the real world and that can be animated. So you can put a Joy-Con, let's just say, into a car that you've made, and it'll use the motor inside the Joy-Con to actually power the car and make it go. And this other thing, there's a, there is a steering wheel with a foot pedal, and you can use the cardboard steering wheel and the cardboard foot pedal to play the real game of Mario Kart 8 on your Switch. So instead of having to go out and buy an expensive, you know, plastic and metal wheel, you just make one out of cardboard and you're playing the game. Like it's 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 just an interesting and different way of getting people to be creative in the real world versus just being, you know, engrossed by a screen. Absolutely. Yeah. And th- I went out and got this. Uh, this is the third. This is the ToyCon 3 vehicle kit. It just came out last week. I haven't had a chance to put it together, but I've been like, okay. I've been itching to like just find some time yeah. to sit down with my daughter and put these together and play them because we do have the Mario Kart 8 Deluxe. Right. So and you put that together and you just start driving with a. Re- I mean, it's cool because it's paper. It's paper, but it's sturdy. It's sturdy cardboard. So let's yeah. take a look at it here. We've got the box right in front of us. So here's what this looks like. Pull that out. And so basically they lead you through, as you said, Andrew, the, the cool thing is with the Switch, you can actually see the instructions and they walk right. you through the creation process. And I don't want to ruin it. Don't ruin anything. But, but it, it actually allows you to do that. And then you can essentially insert the controllers yeah. into different pieces. Joy-Cons. Even the Switch display itself, depending on which level kit you have, you even insert the actual Switch itself into the contraption you've built. It's it's incredible. This is one of the cool things that Nintendo does. And in fact, I should give you a little bit of the behind the scenes here. Uh, we have Reggie Fisome, the Nintendo of America president, speaking at the GeekWire Summit. GeekWire Summit coming yes. up uh, on October 2nd and 3rd is the conference. And by the way, quick plug, geekwire.com slash summit. And we have a discount code for Geared Up, just for, for Geared, geared up, up listeners. Just use Geared Up when you check out. And I forget exactly how much the discount is, but it's significant. It's a nice discount, and you'll be able to attend and see uh, the discussion with Reggie. Absolutely. And this is one of the things, as we I got to talk with him last week, and this is one of the things that they are particularly pointing to when you say, okay, how is Nintendo going to stay innovative yeah. going forward? This is an example of what they've done recently, where it's completely different. I mean, can you imagine this from any other company? No. 
a cardboard creation. Maybe maybe Google Cardboard with yes. VR and yes. smartphones. I, I could see where that was headed this direction, but this certainly takes that concept to a whole other level. Right, but it, it kind of reinforces Nintendo being a company. It's more of a toy company than a gaming company because this is more of a toy that you augment with games. It doesn't mean they don't make great games, but it just means that they, they aren't competing in the traditional video game market that we think of today. They're more towards just making fun and you know creative stuff. It's really f- interesting that you should say that because that is one of the questions that I plan to ask Reggie, and I, I got a little preview of his answer when I got to talk with him on the phone last week. Who is Nintendo today? Mm-hmm. And his answer is going to surprise you. Okay. So you got to... Stay tuned okay. for that because I don't want to spoil the don't surprise. Spoil it. Don't All spoil right. it. So yes, this is the brand new uh, ToyCon Three vehicle kit, and uh, cost just about seventy dollars. And uh, it was difficult to get. Oh, I'm sure these, even the first two when they first came out. I mean, you're thinking, oh, Nintendo's just releasing some cardboard stuff, and they go on sale, and they immediately they're gone. So you know, Nintendo has a good fandom behind them. They Nintendo's kind of like Apple; they have those dedicated fans and whereas a lot of other people are like look at the specs on your switch and look at the specs on my xbox one x or ps4 pro but sometimes it's not about the on-paper specs absolutely that's very true and i should say like even in the neighborhood like kids hear that you have a switch and like they want to come over and play yep. with my play switch with my daughter so yeah it's like, yes, very very interesting okay the other big piece of nintendo news this week in fact this afternoon mm-hmm. is the new switch online service that's right how do you expect Switch Online to compare in broad strokes to things like Xbox Live or PlayStation Network? It's, it's certainly not as integrated. So Xbox Live, I mean, that's, that is the gold standard, in my opinion, for online services. Xbox Live is it. Um, the Switch service is more interesting because it uses your smartphone to get connected, and then now you're able to save your data to the cloud because previously, if you had a Switch, and let's say you were 90% through beating The Legend of Zelda, and then your Switch broke, you had to go buy another Switch, and there was no way to transfer your data. So it's like, well, that's gone. Um, but you can save your data to the cloud. However, not in every game, because Nintendo is so strict when it comes to piracy, like over the top. Like, did you know, have you played the Super Mario smartphone game? Yes. Super Mario Run? Oh, yeah. Did you know you cannot play that on an airplane? Oh, because it needs to be connected it online. It needs to be connected online, even though it has nothing to do with anything they just want it connected online to know that you didn't steal it hmm. like that's, that's that's silly that's shades of the original xbox one plan do you remember that i do yes i do always always on i do always but, online. i mean it's just silly that you know you so there's some games where you can't save to the cloud because they don't want you to save your pokemon game to the cloud and then give your account to someone else and then they can download and now they have the pokemon that are hard to get it's like you're really not thinking about the consumer here. Like, I want to save my games to the cloud so that they're protected somewhere else and backed up other than on the Switch. But that's neither here nor there. It will have online play, which is cool. And it will also have a library of classic games that you get as part of the subscription. And the subscription is pretty inexpensive. I think it's like 30 bucks a year or something like that. For the first time, you can play the original Super Mario Brothers online with someone across the country so there's there's good and there's bad they're also going to be selling um nintendo switch controllers that mimic or look exactly like the original nes controllers so you can play those older games using you know 
an older styled controller. So the exact pricing is for 12 months uh, for a family membership, it's $35. For an individual membership, it's $20 for 12 months, $8 mm-hmm. for three months, and $4 for one month. So as you said, very very much cheaper than, for example, Absolutely. an annual Xbox Live subscription. Right, which is like $60. Yep. So... So that's it. I mean, it's it's people have been waiting for this since the Switch went live. Like, when am I going to be able to play online, and when am I gonna, when we're going to have something similar to Xbox Live and PlayStation Network? And it's finally arriving. Excellent. Okay, you still playing your Switch regularly? Absolutely. What's your I favorite? I love the Switch. Your favorite game still uh, Zelda? My favorite game that I've played on the Switch is Zelda, and Super Mario was it Odyssey yeah. was my like that's my very close number two game. Uh, on the Switch, but I mean, I play I play all the consoles right now. I'm waiting for Fallout 76 to come out for the Xbox. 76. It's 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 like 1976. Oh, not like okay. it's not the 76 Fallout sure. game. But uh, when it comes to Fallout, I'm a big fan, and I will like play that game daily for like three months. Excellent. Yeah. All right. Well, hey, that is it for Geared Up this week. A big thanks to everybody who's listening. If you're not already, be sure to subscribe to Andrew's YouTube channel at youtube.com slash gear live to see the behind the scenes video of the show. Of course, you can also subscribe to Geared Up, the podcast in your favorite podcast app. That's right. Just search Geared Up. That's two words, not one in Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And we have a lot of fun on the live stream, by the way. Be sure to go and subscribe. Yeah. We also do stream at facebook.com slash geekwire. You can go to there and see the the live stream there. And uh, it's fun to interact with everybody behind the scenes and during the breaks. So a big thanks to everybody for tuning in, and we will talk to you next time. Until then, I'm Todd Bishop. I'm Andrew Edwards. You're listening to Geared Up. 